Hello, fellow sports fans. You're listening to Never Seen It. My name is Trent. I'm sitting here with my wife, Betsy, and today we're going to take you back to 1999 with the movie Varsity Blues. Sportball! Sportball, indeed. Betsy, this movie came out when we were freshmen in high school, and I fully believe that I saw this movie probably not in the theater, but I saw it while we were in high school. But you haven't seen it yet. I have never seen Varsity Blues. Why don't you tell the people, let's just get right into it. Why don't you tell the people what you know about this here movie? This is a movie about football. I want to say it's in Texas because they love football in Texas. They love football in Texas. (laughs) The star is James Vanderbeek. Indeed. And beyond him, I am drawing a blank on anyone who is in this movie. Oh, Betsy, you are in for a treat. Is Allie Larder in this? I think so. I think so. There is a blonde woman I am thinking of, but I can't confirm if it is her. I don't know. I can't remember. But there is a very famous scene that came out of this movie. Is this the whipped cream thing? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I haven't seen this, but I have seen not another teen movie. Yeah, it's been parodied. Which spoofed so many of the movies around this time that I didn't know where that came from. I just know it's a thing. This era of film is the rebirth of like the teen comedy and the teen drama yeah because this is more of a drama it is or a drama d anyway still like you also had the shows on fox like the party of five and dawson's creek all those shows on the wb that were super popular back in the day and all these stars that came out of the tv shows transitioned into movies and james vanderbeek is one of them Well, this is when they were trying to transition him to movies. Sure. But let's be honest, it didn't really take. No, I think him and Josh Hartnett are kind of on the same level of fame and, like, success. Where they don't know what to do with them. Yeah. They're, like, they're young and handsome pretty boys that don't really fit into, like, the leading man kind of a thing. And James Vanderbeek is the star of this movie, but he's playing a high schooler. So how can you be, like, a leading man in a movie like this? In the 90s, it's the jumping off point. You yeah. are you are a teenager. We know you're a teenager or you're playing teens. And then maybe if we can cross the threshold, right. you can be an adult movie star. And Not an the- adult movie star. <laughs> a, movie, a movie star who is an adult. Okay, good save. <laughs> but as far as what happens in this particular movie, I always in my head confuse this one and Friday Night Lights. Because as with many things, there were two teen football movies yeah. that came out around the same time. And I think Friday Night Lights is based on a book. I have no idea because in the 90s, I was not a sports fan of any kind. Sure. Like even now, I watch things with you. You dabble. I'm a dabbler. <laughs> I am not a diehard. I do not understand the rules. I do not really care half the time. Yeah, and like I'm not either. Like I follow the NFL and that's it. Like now. I barely watched it way back in the day. I certainly didn't and never played football. I don't pay attention to high school or college sports at all. Yeah. I don't care. Certainly high school and college football, we are not paying attention to. But I want to say this is the movie that I saw the commercial for a million times. And it's the one where he's yelling, I don't want your life. I don't want your life. In the the worst (laughs) Southern accent I have ever heard. I'm pretty sure that is from this movie. But anyone else who is in it couldn't tell you for sure Uh, what happens in this. No idea. Pretty sure one of these actors died not long afterwards. But I guess we'll look that up when we're finished (laughs) watching. Uh, Yeah, that's what I know about Varsity Blues. And I have not seen this movie for a lot of years Mm, maybe since about 05-ish. I've I've only ever seen this movie a couple of times. So it's going to be kind of a refresher for me. So let's go and watch Varsity Blues. We'll be right back. See, that was Varsity Blues. Did you make the team? Sometimes I sit and I watch movies and I I think to myself, 
well, this was written by a man, huh? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. And this is one of those movies. There's some melodramatic bullshit in this movie. There are also some wacky teen comedy moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand what the fuck this movie is when you put it all together because there were glimmers of a really great, like a great movie. Yeah. But then there are just like, let's do the wacky teen comedy thing. So it's like, what is this movie? It's halfway a teen sex comedy. Yes. That is interspersed with this sports movie. I would rather it be one or the other because... If it was just a wacky teen sex comedy, I would have understood it. Yeah. If it was just a sports movie, I would have understood it. Like, there is literally a villain, a villainous teacher, a villainous coach. Yeah, he's the bad guy here. But then, like, the guy, Billy Bob, when he's at the party getting too drunk, he has to puke. And there's literally comedic, like, sound effects of his insides gurgling Mm -hmm. before he vomits in a washing machine and when paul walker appears on screen there's like a weird music cue change like the hero music he is the the star quarterback it's the money shot it's it's shot at him at a low angle and he has a a fucking banner of himself in his front lawn and they're like that's just a parody and there are just like these wacky filming things going on and i'm just like this movie is all over the place. Yeah. But they're, like I said, like near the end when they finally stand up to the coach, like that scene is like genuinely good. Yeah. So when he like gives his big speech and says, fuck that guy, we're going to go out there and win it for us, basically. Yeah. I'm like, yes, I'm here for this. This is awesome. This is the movie I wanted Varsity Blues to be. Right. But instead, there's just girls with whipped cream on their tits. And there's teachers who are also strippers. And there are, you know, cops who just give the underage boys a lot of alcohol. (laughs) Well, they don't give it to them. Well, they don't exactly take it away from them. Right. So, like, what the fuck? What the fuck indeed. Betsy, I saw this at a tender young age, and, you know, I never was on a team of any of any kind, much less football. I didn't really have a lot of friends in high school. I also didn't drink in high school. I don't really drink now. And I thought to myself, you know, is this what the high school football team is doing on a, on a weekly basis? Only like, in Texas. Only in Texas. That's kind, That's almost the tagline of this movie. <laughs> only in Texas. But I am totally with you when it comes to the ridiculousness of, a, of like all of the extraneous things outside of the football games. Because the games themselves are actually shot very well. And there are tense moments and there's like hero moments and there's all sorts of different stuff happening with the, uh, the actual football. But outside of that, again, <laughs> anytime, anytime we have done a high school movie where people actually are in a school, they're going to class, they don't go to class. There's one teacher, there's like two coaches, and the one class that they go to is the sex ed class, and the only reason they have a sex ed class is for the jokes. They have the penis and vagina jokes in the class, and they set up the, the fact that the sex ed teacher is also a stripper. Well, that's what I was observing was, why does this teacher look the way she does? Like, she is, it looks like you took a hot chick and put glasses on her. Yeah. Like an obscenely over-the-top hot chick. She's a proto-Sarah Palin. Something. And when she shows up in the strip club, I'm like, oh, okay, Uh okay, Well, they set it. it up by her driving a really nice sports car. And they they call it out. Oh, yeah, she's got a really nice car on a teacher's salary. She also just kind of talks like a bimbo. Like, this is not a well-rounded, well-written character. Right. She's just like, hey, Mox, great job at the game today. As she wheels off in her her convertible. Yeah. (laughs) And when they find her at the strip club and she sees them, she just kind of pauses, then keeps going, and then is drinking with them at the table. Right. And they're just like, oh, thanks for keeping my little secret. Like, ew, what right. is all of all of this? It was 1999, Betsy. It was also written by a man. Of course it was. Everything in this movie is just 
ugh. The women are all over the spectrum of bad, but then there's also a couple of them that have some redeeming qualities. Like, Allie Larder is in this, and she's just a fame fucker. Yeah. She's just trying to get out of this dinky town, and she thinks that the star quarterback is her ticket out. Yeah, by attaching herself to who, whomever the star quarterback is, that she is just going to latch on to him and follow his coattails the entire way, wherever he goes. Which doesn't even make any fucking sense. Okay, no. he's going to go to school in Florida. Yeah. You're not going to get a scholarship to go there. How are you going there? Are you right. going to marry him? Is that the idea? Right. You're going to have an I have a wedding when you're 18? Yeah. Name me the last like high school quarterback and cheerleader combo that actually worked out and made it the entire way. It does happen. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But seriously, True love does exist, but usually it's not the case. Not in high school. It not doesn't. in high school. <laughs> and it's not even love in their situation. No. She is just like, it wasn't about love. It's about getting out of this town. Right. I'm such a small town girl. And that's the thing about this movie. There are glimmers of brilliance, if I want to use that word. To be generous. To be very generous. But, like, there are scenes, especially with, like, Billy Bob when he's all depressed and he's shooting his trophies, saying, my God, we're, we're under so much pressure here. Nothing is ever, ever good enough to give us these little trinkets of uh, praise here and there. But in the end, it's for nothing. It's all for them. It's all for the coaches. It's all for the glory of their parents. Yeah, that's, like, a really tense dramatic scene yeah and you feel really bad for billy bob he has a fucking arc in this movie he goes through he some does. shit but also when he is introduced he is just the fat jokes it's yes. the fucking fat jokes he is dipping food in a jar of peanut butter and chugging a bottle of maple syrup and he is a backwoods hick with a pig called bacon yeah and he's like giving the big beer and it's just like who is this character and what is this movie? he's a fucking joke at the beginning but then when he is literally gonna like kill himself or something yeah you were like oh please don't because i actually care about you yeah, this roller coaster ride of a movie doesn't make a whole lot of sense but i i, I wanted to really like this movie more it deserves more than what it's giving me but then again, this was put out in 1999 by MTV Productions. <laughs> and if you know anything about the MTV Productions studio, you know that this is all they ever really made. This is the kind of thing that would air on MTV. They basically made it mm -hmm. so they could air it on their network later. And give it all sorts of different awards on their own MTV Movie Awards. And this is, you know, 20 years before anybody ever had a streaming service. Like, Netflix right. didn't exist in the capacity it does now. Yeah. All of the competing ones didn't exist. Well, streaming didn't exist, period. No. In this era, if MTV could have had a streaming service. Yeah. And they made their own content. Yeah. Which they were making their own content. They just didn't have anywhere to put they it continue, except their own network. They continue to make their own content. It's just all horseshit. <laughs> it was horseshit back then. <laughs> but it was entertaining. I watched so much MTV when I was this age. They had the proto reality shows with uh, the real world. They had and the Road OG Rules. reality they shows. Had, they had the originals. And they were really super popular. And they went on for like 20 years. There are literally people that went on those shows that are currently, currently extremely famous. There's a guy who was on, I think it was the real world New Orleans, who was a very famous uh, wrestler in the, in the WWE. There's also a comedian. Uh, his name is Theo Vaughn. He's very popular right now. I don't like him, but he also was on one of the real world things. And I think there's a few more that I'm not, I'm not thinking of right off the top of my head, but yeah. MTV reality shows were a big fucking deal. And at the same time, in the late 90s, 2000s, when they were making these movies, I know of a few, like, wasn't Orange County another Orange County. MTV one? Uh, okay, that is the exception to the rule of MTV productions, because Orange County is amazing. But Orange County picks a lane and stays in it. Yes. That's why that one works. Yes. This one didn't do that. I could probably find 
a few more if I dug into my brain archives. <laughs> but off the top of my head, I can't think of any that are specifically MTV Productions. Was She's All That? It feels like it should be. It does be. feel like it, doesn't it? When you're looking at what this movie is and what Orange County is, yeah. it definitely feels it's, like an it's MTV. It's got that kind of vibe. <laughs> but they were making these movies for their demographic, which totally. was teenagers. So I understand why this movie is trying to be a little bit of everything. I don't even know if this was successful. I assume it, it was. was. It was. We're still talking about it 24 years later. And when you say Varsity Blues, you know what it is. It's in the lexicon. And you knew about the, the fucking whipped cream bikini. So <laughs> that is also very much in the lexicon. And I'm sure that's been parodied on a lot of different stuff. But like I said, I only knew about it because of Not Another Teen Movie. Okay. Where they were spoofing this, and they were spoofing She's All That, and they were spoofing right. American Beauty. And American and, Pie. And American Pie. They I mean, were, the, those two movies came out the same year. That is so bizarre to me. The, 1999 was the year of the sex comedy, though. Let's yeah, be real. you're right. When we were teenagers, this was just everywhere it was very prevalent it's the, it was the rebirth of that entire genre i talked about it in the intro with this movie it feels like they're trying to have their cake and eat it too like this movie i am assuming yeah. came out around the same time if not after american pie meaning it was already in production and they wouldn't have been able to borrow from american pie no but they could have edited the movie together differently to make it more akin to american pie if they had time to do it, if this Maybe. came out later. Maybe. Yeah, I don't really know what the release schedule was like in 1999. I was a little preoccupied. We were in school. Yeah. We weren't old enough to even see these movies. No, this is rated R. This is a hard R movie, which is, again, another reason why I'm like, who's the demographic here? But you know what? They, I mean, we always talk about ratings on this show. They could have absolutely cleaned this up because, yeah, they go to a strip club and you got tits on, on stage. Yeah, you got the naked girls in the cop car. You can clean that up and, and cover them up. Or you could put fucking tassels on the women. I don't care. And you could clean up the language. And you could put this out as a PG-13 movie. Easily. Maybe not as easily as some other movies, but there's <laughs> there's a lot to, to clean up here. But I think we're talking about the demographics. If your demographics are teenagers in high school, how are you making this a rated R movie? I, I know teenagers have a way of seeing movies and getting in rated R movies. That's not a big deal. But... I would, I would say they would have been better served and got more people to watch it if they cleaned it up a little bit. If this had gone full wacky comedy, it would have probably still been pretty successful. If this was wacky sex comedy in the sports world. Right. I could, however, also see that if you went full drama, you're kind of missing your demographic. But yeah. I think that's not giving teens enough credit because there's a lot of serious issues that they're dealing with. Like, yeah. The coach is pushing these kids to play injured and you win at all costs. The movie starts with, we were taught from a young age, football is life and win at any cost. Yeah. And when you are growing up in this mentality, it fucks you up because your entire perception of self-esteem and self-worth revolves around how others are perceiving you in this world. Exactly. And you've also got the added layer of all the parents who have also been brought up in this entire world and they have been pushing this entire like mentality onto their kids their entire lives too. It's how everybody is it's it's in their blood. But you're telling me teenagers can't take that concept more broadly and understand it? Like if yeah. you if you went fully that road I think that it could have also worked. I think the, the best thing that this movie has going for it is the fact that it's kind of dirty. And by that, I mean, they're not afraid to tackle some of the harder topics here. Tackle. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you and the puns this, week, this past week. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying, though. They are able to really hone in on a lot of this stuff that kids these days, you know, kids are, like kids our age, literally. When we're we were in high school. In 99, yeah. Yeah. Like James Vanderbeek here is going to graduate in 2002. I, I saw his uh, his acceptance letter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we graduated in 03. So still. But they're able to handle, to use a different word, some of these, some of these like really heavy concepts that, you know what? 
Fuck that. Fuck that coach. Fuck your parents. You don't have to listen to them. You're an intelligent adult and you can make your own decisions about your life. And I appreciate the fact that, you know, James Vanderbeek, yeah, he really likes football and he's not denying that. But at the same time, he understands that it is not his entire life. He doesn't want to be his dad. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want his life. He doesn't want his dad's life. You know, the idea of parents living vicariously through their children and making their children go the path and try to succeed where they failed. That's a real thing. Oh, the parents in this movie were making me angry. Oh, yeah. Because it's like, you guys are kind of pathetic if this is all you live for and you are going to go to such lengths to basically ruin your own children's lives because you didn't succeed the way you wanted to. But they don't see it like that. Every parent in this town is like... It's awful. You know, when he gets accepted to Brown University, a prestige Ivy League school... Oh, yeah. His dad goes, oh, yeah, no, I'm really happy for you, but we yeah, need yeah, to talk yeah. about good. the game tonight. Yeah, 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 good, good for you, whatever. Uh, you're going to go off there in a couple years. How about tonight? You need to talk, talk to me about tonight. They're also worried about the here and now. They're not thinking about their futures right. unless you're Paul Walker and you're going to be the star quarterback. But that's the thing about Paul Walker. Yeah, he's the star quarterback. Yeah, he's he is king shit in this town. You could take that in a lot of different ways. Yeah, when he leaves this town, he ain't going to be king shit anymore. You know how many fucking players that come from uh, the college sports who are king shit in college and they come to the NFL and they're terrible. Remember, we were just the other day talking about Johnny Football. Yeah, there's an entire documentary about Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football on Netflix. We haven't watched it yet. But that's who he that's who he was. Yeah. He was this guy he who came the, out of high school. He was this Texas fucking quarterback who was told his entire life that you you're a star, you're a star. Then you actually become a professional and you are relied upon by your entire team and they all get paid based on your performance. And if you don't perform, you're cut. You're out of there. And then he got to the NFL level and where the fuck did he go? Yeah. He went fucking nowhere. He had a hard life after the NFL. Yeah, he's basically Paul Walker in this movie. Yeah. Minus the debilitating knee injury that (laughs) ends his career. (laughs) But anyway, going back to the Paul Walker thing, You see in this movie how everything just turns on a dime. As soon as you are no longer useful to the adults who are like moving all the pieces around to make you successful, then you're just, you're worthless. And like his girlfriend is no longer tagging along with him because she can't get anything out of you anymore. The coach is pushing you off to the side saying he's a fucking pussy for, you know, for getting hurt basically. His dad does have some worries, but not about him, but about his scholarship. He is supposed to have a scholarship and he's going to be a big star. And what do you mean? He's not actually like, what about my son? No. It's not about him per se. As soon as he goes down in that game, he says, oh no, this is going to affect me. Because I'm the one who spawned this star quarterback. I'm the one who got him started at, at the peewee level. It's all on me, so people are going to you know, look down on me now. No, they're not. You got to start worrying about your other son, Jesse Plemons. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you did not know, uh, Paul Walker's little brother is played by none other than Jesse Plemons. I had no idea, number one, that he was that young. I had no idea he was in this movie until his little, yeah. like, baby 13-year-old face showed up on screen. He didn't even look 13. He looked like he was, like, 10. I have no idea how old he was. All I know is <laughs> he looks exactly the same, just right. smaller. But that, yeah, that's the idea. Like, they're just pumping these kids out like a farm system. They even said they're going to hold Jesse Plemons back. A year out of high school so that when he's a freshman that he's bigger than all the other kids so that he can be the star quarterback at a young, not a young age, but a lower level in his class. That is how far these parents go. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. They don't treat them as kids. They treat them as commodities. Even James Vanderbeek's really freaky brother. The parents there are saying to that kid, why don't you just get out of this phase and what, whatever the weird religious thing that you're going through, get out of this phase and why aren't you interested in football like everybody else is? Okay, there is this goofy thread 
with his little brother right. where he is going through this time of experimenting with different religions. So when we meet him, he has literally tied himself to a cross. Yep, he has tied himself to a crucifix. Then I think he's like a Buddhist or something. At the, at the cookout thing, yeah. And then he is a member of the Nation of Islam after that. And after that, he starts his own cult. Right. So this is a very weird little thing, but I will give you... That kid, there's some hope for him in this world right. because he is just defying everything about the world that he is being brought up in. Yeah. He's going to go places. That kid's got a bright future. Because he is rejecting the life that is being forced upon him yeah. in a way that his older brother could not. And you know what? His older brother is supporting him in his endeavors. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> He's like, don't buy into the bullshit, kid. Yeah. You've still got a chance. Be free. Be free. <laughs> Meanwhile, dad is like, you know, quit being a religious little weirdo and start football. Start football. Right. Football. Like, genuinely, you could have just changed most of the dialogue to all the parents going, grumble, grumble, football. Grumble, grumble, I'm drunk, football. There were moments that I almost couldn't understand them, not because yeah. they had heavy Texas accents, but because they're just rambling on about sports. That scene, in a weird way. That scene of them at the cookout and all of the all of the parents are just completely trashed. Moms too. Yeah, moms too. And the and the moms in this are just as bad as as the dads. But the dads, Jesus Christ, the dads. The dick waving contests they're having. Yeah, the competition of their sons being better quarterbacks, kind of as if. When they were in in high school, they were competing to be the quarterback of their own respective team. And <laughs> they had the same coach. Yeah, he's been there for 30 years. Yeah. The one redeeming thing about this situation, I think, is the fact that both Paul Walker and James Vanderbeek are actually like good people yeah. who actually like each other. Right. When Lance gets hurt, he says... Mox, you were the only one who came to visit me in the hospital. Right. Like, you actually gave a shit. Mox wants to play, but he also doesn't want anything to happen to this other quarterback to allow him right. to play. Right, and his uh, Mox's little brother was, like, saying he was praying for the other guy to get hurt. And he says, no, 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 don't you dare. Don't you dare we need say anything guy. about that, about our star quarterback, like our our entire, our savior. <laughs> <laughs> Those two guys are the driving force at the end of the movie because yeah. Lance basically inadvertently finds his calling and decides to become the coach when it comes down to it. Right. They need a coach and he's the guy they believe in and follow. Him and the other guy who got hurt in and that then, game. And then James Vanderbeek decides to go to college and never plays football again in his life. Right. Because he doesn't need it. And that's There's other the, stuff in line. That's the entire point of the movie here, where, yeah, football is important to a point because it teaches you a lot of things. It teaches you discipline. In some cases, it teaches you leadership skills. But at the end of the day, it's just a game. But this also shows us the brutality of this sport. Yeah. Like when we talked about any given Sunday, that was something we talked about at length. Like yeah. the concussion thing went through most of that movie. This one, you think it's this goofy ass comedy. And then Paul Walker's character is having fucking injections put into his knees. Yeah. Like, 10 minutes into the movie, I'm like, oh, shit, I knew these exactly, kids are getting shot up. I knew exactly what was going on, that he was getting a cortisone shot in directly into his knee, and it's it's a painkiller. To push him through. Yeah. Keep going. And, you know, it happens all the time. NFL games, you know, you have that little tent set up on, on the sideline. That's just to have it done there and not back in the locker room. Listen, it's bad enough when it's grown men who have signed on to play professional football. And they get paid millions and millions of dollars to do so. It is very different when you are doing this to like a 17-year-old kid. Yeah. And an they're pushing him to do it. Yeah. And you're just saying pressure, you know, peer pressure basically. Right. Do it, kid. Do it so you can do it for the team. Do you it gotta for the team. You got to help the town and you don't want to let the team down, do you? And you know, when you think about it, 1999... This idea that you're going to push back on the authorities, you're going to push back on, you know, this very small town, this tradition. The movie is kind of daring in that way. For the time and place it is set, it is. Like, it takes a fucking mini revolution yeah. for them to it make a change. It takes a mutiny. A mutiny. The entire team says, no, 
you're not going to be out there. If you're out there, we're not here. It doesn't matter if we if we win or not. We're done if, if you're going to be our coach. Yeah, we aren't going out there with you. Yeah. So fuck you, basically. Fuck you. They don't say the words, but they, they say it the rest of the movie. Fuck Kilmer. Fuck that guy. Yeah. But they don't actually stand up to him until the very end when another player gets hurt and he's about to get injected and they all say, no, dude, don't it's do it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. You're going to ruin your fucking body. And the coaches and the, the, the trainers know it. It's like, yeah, I heard a pop. Or, yeah, it really looked like he tore something there. When, again, most of the adults in this movie are absolutely awful. They're only doing it for their own glory. The coach is doing it to win another championship. The parents are just doing it to have bragging rights of saying, oh yeah, I, I spawned the star quarterback of this town. My son's the, the best running back this team's ever seen in 20 years. Exactly. What does that say about you? Nothing. No. It says nothing. You get to have like a fucking sign up and that's it. You don't it's, matter. It's, it's just your last name. And that's what, all that's attached to it. And what's going to happen to your kid when they get concussed and, you know, fucking die? Yeah. Like, Billy Bob takes a bad hit at the beginning of the movie, and he is spending the next several days with a concussion. Yes, he is very much concussed. And when they ask him, how many fingers am I holding up? And it's two. He says three. And they're like, no, no, you have to ask a true or false question. Is he holding fingers up? Right. He's fine. <laughs> He's fine. Get him out there. That one, that one right there. Yes, it is. A, it's a comment on concussions, but it's also a matter of, hey, he's kind of stupid. He can't count up to three. <laughs> <laughs> right. But when it keeps going and he clearly yes. is really fucked up yeah. and the coach is not trying to help him in any way. None of the adults are doing the responsible thing and taking this guy to a fucking hospital. Right. It takes him doing it himself for someone to say, you know, oh, I went and got my cat scanned. <laughs> they <laughs> scanned good. my cat. <laughs> oh, you got a cat? Okay. Yeah. But he is literally violently ill and he is passing out in class and he's sweating and he can't see straight. Right. And they keep saying, you're fine. Shake it off. Go out there. We need you. Again. For the team, for the team, for the team. Very much ahead of its time because concussions were not talked about in any kind of serious way in 1999. It wasn't for like another decade before the NFL really started to look at concussions in any kind of serious way. Let alone in high school. Let alone in high school and in college, yeah. But we have not mentioned yet the, uh, the name John Voigt. Because John Voigt is the coach here and... Again, he is the villain. He's very much the villain in this movie and in real life. He sucks. <laughs> he very much sucks on a lot of different levels. I'm not going to get into it here, but fuck you, John Voight. Yes, he is the villain in this movie. And take any kind of like negative thing that you could say about a coach or about a teacher or about any kind of authority figure. Abusing their power. Abusing their power. And this this guy embodies it. There was this moment at the beginning of the movie. They are having a pep rally. They're having nine o'clock in the morning, morning, and the whole high school is there and he gets up and he gives this speech. And I swear to God, he keeps putting his hand up to get the crowd to be silent. And it was like fucking Zig Heil. Oh yeah. He's Zig Heiling that entire time. Zig Heiling where he is just like, we're the best. I'm the best. We're going to win. And he kept doing it. I was like, yeah. okay, that is not a mistake. Right. Because he is like putting his hands straight up in the air. They got a fucking bronze statue of him outside. Mm-hmm. And he is he, he is do, saying all of this stuff to say, I need this. I'm going to win this for me. Fuck all these players. Fuck this team. Fuck this school. This is about me. Win it for me. So, like, there's James Vanderbeek on the sideline reading a book instead of reading the plays because he knows he's never getting put in. Yeah. There's no point. There are times where the players are just aware they're not going to play. My own brother played basketball, and there was a really good team built around him. And the coach tended to put in the good players And he never put in my brother. My brother's not a bad basketball player. It's just that when you had all these other guys, he favored those people. And in high school sports, you should at least sprinkle them throughout. You're going to cycle them through. But in this world, 
James Vanderbeek knows his ass is sitting on the sideline. So yeah. he's reading a book, and after the game, he is accosted by the coach, who's basically like, how dare you learn how to read? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> how dare you? And it's not until he starts going rogue that John Voight literally is threatening his future. Right. Where he says, I heard about your scholarship. Well, guess what? I can doctor your records I can make sure that your transcript says something completely different yeah. than the truth. When you graduate, your transcript is sent off to the whatever college that you're going to go to. And guess what? If it shows up there with a couple of extra apps on there, uh, maybe uh, your scholarship's going to go away. And everyone in this town is afraid of this guy. He's yeah. a fucking bully and no one will stand up to him. The scene at the bar where there's a cop. And he's talking to another guy. I don't remember who that was, but they're one just, of the townspeople. Sure, and they're they're talking to the bartender and talking amongst themselves about, oh yeah, all these uh, all these players are just running rampant, or they're just rambunctious everywhere with their wainers out, with their wainers out, <laughs> putting it up on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and John Voight is just in the background saying. Are my all my boys uh, getting into too much trouble? I'll take care of it if I need to. But he doesn't. But no, no, you're not no, going to no. do anything about it. He doesn't say it like that. He's like, "Are my boys too much for you to handle?" Oh, I, that's I, how he said it. Yeah. And the cop goes, "Oh no, no, we can handle it. Just kidding. It's right. fine. They're just boys. Will be boys. Right. Look, that classic chestnut. Boys will be boys. Yeah, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> no, that's what I mean, though. The the distance they will go to just forgive bad behavior. Yeah. And like I already said, they are providing everything these boys want. When James Vanderbeek becomes the quarterback and they win the game, he's trying to buy a two liter of soda and the guy behind the register the shopkeep. takes the soda, puts it down and hands him a six pack and says, your money's no good here. Yeah, of Bud Heavy. And he just immediately takes it out in front, in front of the store and starts drinking it in public. Because again, these kids are conditioned to know that Nothing that they do will ever, ever get them get them in trouble because they're protected. This is a protection racket of you being on the football team. You are a made man. One of the kids, Scott Kahn, Scott actually Kahn. steals the cop car and just rides off while he's yelling, I'm going to jail. <laughs> Once he makes the decision to do it, though, he yeah. does it. Like, later in the movie, somebody says, I hope you like jail. And he goes, thanks. Right. Wait, what? Well, in that context, he was he was basically talking about roofing girls. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He's an awful person. He's got drugs galore. Yeah. How many of these do I have to take? Yeah, don't worry. I've got plenty more I got home. a connection. Yeah. So yeah what they the have, fuck? They have drugs. They have alcohol. They can stick their wieners on the glass. <laughs> <laughs> they can steal the cop cars. Everybody in this community will just give them anything and everything they need and as there, long as they keep winning. There are no consequences whatsoever. No. At any time during this entire movie to anybody. But to bring it back to John Voight, there is a consequence for him, sort of. So at the yeah. end of the movie, when they basically all finally stand up to the bully... James Vanderbeek has had enough. He's like, what if my brother does start playing? What if he has to play for him? I don't right. want that shit. And nothing's ever going to change unless we tell him to fuck off, basically. Yeah. And they push him so far that he literally strangles. He tries to strangle him. James Vanderbeek in front of all of the players right. and all of the staff. And when he tries to rally them to go, none of them follow. Mm -hmm. And he knows that that's the fucking end of his career. And the next time we see him, he is packing up his shit in his office. Yeah. And they go out there and they win the game without him. And I didn't see it. Apparently there was a scene of him walking away with a box at the end of the movie when they're talking about what, what happened to everybody. Oh, I missed that yeah, too. Yeah, I, I, did, I did too. But apparently there is a scene there of him in the background with a box walking away. But the point is, it literally takes him attacking a student. Right. There is that moment of realization on his face where he knows he can't go back out on that field. But he tries. He tries to keep on getting everybody out there. He tries to rally somebody around him because fucking peer pressure. Team peer pressure is especially bad. Team and teenage yes. peer pressure. Yes. All those things mixed together are very powerful things. But in the end... He can't get anybody to come out. So he just kind of goes off into the sunset, as it were. His power is gone. Yeah. There's no coming back from that moment. Mm -hmm. But that is the extreme 
degree to which it takes getting rid of this guy to defeat this villain. Mm-hmm. They all just have to they stand have to up. They band together and cause a mutiny and... You know, they go out there and they win the game. And they win the championship, not for him, but for themselves. Yeah. And it's their greatest moment. And there is this weird thing where at the very beginning and the very end of the movie, there is a voiceover. Right. It's weird that it's set up like this. At the beginning, it made sense. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, yeah, football is life. Okay. You're introducing the, yeah. uh, the attitudes of the people of this town. But then they don't do it again at all. And at the end, it just turns into like the end of V for Vendetta. You know, no one will know what that night meant (laughs) to to this town. How much that meant to all of us. (laughs) It's that kind of a thing. But it's also the the end of a lot of different kinds of movies where it tells you, okay, this person went on to to do this. This person went on to do that. I guess, but... I don't know. It just was kind of strange where, oh, oh, we're doing a voiceover again? Okay. Why not? I mean, it's it's lazy filmmaking. That's what I'm saying is just the way they pick multiple tones for this movie is just bizarre. And it took me out of it a few times. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've we've had about enough of Varsity Blues. Uh, What else did you have to talk about? Just a couple things about... How this is very late 90s. One. <laughs> I know where you're going. One. I think I have never seen anyone wear whiter jeans <laughs> than James Vanderbeek the on film. The fucking pipes. The pipe. The stove pipe <laughs> jeans. It was absolutely absurd. And he's got his jersey tucked into it. Right. It's so dorky right. and stupid. <laughs> and just the fact that both he and Amy Smart are brunettes in this. Because if they didn't make them be brunettes... Everybody of the four leads would be blonde. Or at least, like, Scott Kahn had, like, the the blonde tips on his hair. Well, right, but you have Paul Walker, who's very blonde. He's very blonde. You have Allie Larder, who's very blonde. Yeah, and, and Amy Smart usually is a blonde. That's what I'm saying. So is James Vanderbeek. Yeah. But if you have four people who are just very blonde, <laughs> it starts going a little too heavily into the Aryan youth of, <laughs> of John Boyd's coach. <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> what else did you have, Betsy? Uh, the soundtrack's awesome. Because it's an MTV it's movie. It's an MTV movie. It's in the 90s. Yeah. You've got Collective Soul, Foo Fighters, The Offspring. There were a couple other ones that I definitely knew, but I can't remember right now. Yeah, I, I can't think of any other off the top of my head. But yeah, the soundtrack, soundtrack is amazing. was very solid. The only other thing I had was, you know, the budget of this movie clearly went to the soundtrack. But sometimes I wonder about the budget of the high school when they're handing out game balls. It's like, what kind of high school is this? What? How much money do you have that you're just passing out game balls? The entire budget of this school I would goes say to the football program because well, yeah, we don't that. go to class. We aren't paying the teachers. No, all they have is sex ed. That's it. <laughs> with, I'm surprised, with a real life stripper. And I'm surprised that they even have that in Texas. <laughs> um, the only stuff that I had here was I loved the line that Amy Smart says about Allie Larder at the first party because Allie Larder is in her like fucking slutty dress or whatever you want to call it. And Amy Smart says, yeah, it costs a lot of money to look that cheap. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the strip club, I I have to say this name because it's great wordplay. It's called the Landing Strip. Yeah. 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 They went there. Um, But I wanted to tell a story here. I don't know if I've actually told this story on the podcast before. This is not a high school story. This is more of a college story, but it's related to high school. When I started my freshman year of college, I was paired up with a roommate that I had never met before. He is from this podunk town about 100 miles west of where where I was at the time. Which is in the middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere. where you're coming from. Middle of nowhere, South Dakota. I cannot tell you whether or not he actually played sports, but I imagine he did. Based on his physique and what I remember about him, he probably played some kind of sports. He had a high school girlfriend... Uh, the, the, he, he was with her for, I don't know, probably two or three years or something like that. And she went to a bigger school in Nebraska. University of. <laughs> the biggest one. The biggest one in Nebraska. So they were separated by these two schools. But 
Oh, yeah, the, the idea here is that they're actually still together. We're just separated. This is a long-distance relationship. Obviously, as Obviously. it usually is when you're 18 of years old. Of course it's going to work out together, and you're going to stay together forever. But, of course, first semester of college, this is the first time they've been apart forever, and he's really bummed because he's away from his girlfriend, and it's college, and you want to have a good time, and whatever the fuck else. And, yeah. They did not last, let's say. <laughs> um, but he was really bummed. And I feel like the the attitude that my roommate had was very much of the kind of the, the Paul Walker type where the girlfriend went off and went off with somebody else, met somebody else. And I saw his reaction when he got the message from his girlfriend saying, eh, this is not going to work the out. Dear John phone call. Basically that. I, I think it might have even been an email. Oh, no. Yeah. She dear John to via email? <laughs> I think so. Or like a, uh, it might have been like an MSN messenger thing. Ouch. That's yeah. harsh. It was an instant messenger breakup. It's just, hi, are you online? Something like that. BT dubs. <laughs> By the way. We're broken up. We're broken up now. And then away message because I... of emo lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he got super bummed out about that. And he eventually left college. This is... Uh, this is the end of 2003, beginning of 2004. What was happening in 2003, 2004 that maybe a young person around my age at the time uh, was going to be recruited into? He joined the fucking Marines. And you never saw the man I again. I never saw the guy again. Yeah. Yeah. He got that depressed that he decided to go off and join the armed forces L and probably go to Iraq. Listen, if we have any young listeners out there, uh, and you're in high school... And you have to break up with your high school girlfriend. It's not the end of the world. Don't join the Marines because she moved far away from you and you're heartbroken. There's so many other fish in the sea. Move on. It's fine. You'll find somebody. Take the advice of your dear old Uncle Trent. <laughs> <laughs> and um, understand that high school love isn't real love. Not usually. It can be, but it's pretty rare. Yeah, it's very rare. It's one in many, 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 many. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, so that's all I really had here. I liked the movie. I had a good time watching it. It's not high art, but there are some concepts here that really resonate, especially now. It had a few redeeming qualities that made me not hate it. At the beginning of this movie, I was like, Fuck me. This yeah. is going to be one of those this movies. This is just going to be this fucking horny fest yeah. of a bunch of teenage boys. Which, if I knew that's what it was from the beginning, then okay, maybe I could get on board with it and accept it for what it is. Yeah. But the advertisement sells it as this, like, really serious drama and then the movie starts and there's like a pig and and I'm like, what is happening here? And yeah. there's horny teens and alcohol everywhere and Scott Kahn and his dick sound. What is this movie? But then by the end, I was like, okay, the last like 15 or 20 minutes, almost flawless. I wouldn't say it's flawless, but it's pretty compelling. It, it redeemed stuff. a lot of its childish nature. Uh, in, in that last speech by James Vanderbeek and them standing up to the coach and winning. Yeah. Not it, only did they win the game, but they won against this whole they system. They won life. They won the game of life. No. No, <laughs> they really didn't. All right. That's going to be the end of Varsity Blues for now. We would love to hear from you guys about Varsity Blues, about any of the other fucking uh, high school football movies like the We Are Marshall and what was the other one? Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. There were a lot that came out around this time Yeah, frame. and the reason why or I wanted- Or Friday Night Lights. Or uh, Was that an actual movie movie or yes. was that just a TV show? It's both. Is it? It is both. It okay. was a movie in the 90s. Oh, God. And then it became a TV show. God, I co totally forgot that that was an actual movie. All right, anyway, should we watch any of those? I, I wanted to watch this one because it's not just the saccharine nature of all these other movies that, that have inspirational stories. You don't like I inspirational don't like sport that movies. that shit. <laughs> uh, anyway, email us, neverseenitpod at gmail.com. Today we're actually going to clean up a very old email we got, uh, oh, let's say over a month ago. Shush, it's fine. Yeah. This came in from Stephanie about the movie Sunshine. Now, Sunshine was the movie that we got invited into. It was a mystery movie at our local theater that one of our listeners, Blake, invited us to. 
Uh, Stephanie says about Sunshine, I really like this movie. It gives off Event Horizon vibes, which is a movie that we haven't seen, but it is not a knockoff. The movie is super well-crafted. The dialogue and plot are interesting and hold your attention. This movie does give an excellent example of how even the smartest people on earth are still people who make mistakes. Also, that people are resilient as hell. I mean, Mark Strong can stay alive in that state for nine damn years. <laughs> LOL. Yeah. A really good cast, but I didn't remember all of those actors in the movie. I don't think I knew who they were the first time I watched this. Yeah, a lot of, probably a lot of people. Yeah, if you don't know the movie we're talking about, just look up on IMDb Sunshine. Sunshine, yeah. And see this cast. In the time it came out, most of them... I didn't know who they yeah. were. Her next line is uh, probably Killian Murphy and Chris Evans, but that's probably it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she says, I don't mind the timeline slash space travel issues that you brought up. I like the whole movie and the end doesn't bother me at all. And that's fine. Uh, it bothered me a little bit, but just because, hey, I wanted it to be better because I wanted to like it more. There's just times you just feel like being nitpicky. I, I And I was taken out of the movie. And that's, that's not a fault of mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault the it's, movie took me out. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is a movie criticism podcast, Betsy. <laughs> what else do we have to talk about? <laughs> she says, overall, I think the movie's great. And of course, this is an old email, so she's talking about all the movies she was walk, uh, watching in October. She says uh, she watched The Babysitter, Nightmare Before Christmas, and I See You. I See You was a new one for us, and I really liked it. It is about a small-town detective dealing with a kidnapping case, as well as family drama. But the third act has a fantastic twist. It is not the scariest movie we have seen, but I think it is worth the watch. Love you guys from Superfan Stephanie. Yet another one I've never heard of. I think I have seen a logo for I See You, but I have no idea what it's about. Uh, I have only ever seen The Nightmare Before Christmas once. Because I made you watch you it. You made me watch it at our old house like seven or eight years ago. It would have like been that. longer than that if we were at the old house. I suppose, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I've the only movie, ever seen that once. The movies you wish you knew you were going to have a podcast for. We just, but we didn't have one then. We talked about a couple of those just today. But what are you going to do? What are you going to do? We might have something to remedy that. Whoops. I shouldn't have said that. Moving on. <laughs> uh, just a little tease for what's coming in January, guys. That is going to be the end of this one, Betsy. I'm glad that you're here to, to enjoy movies with me this day and every day. And I'm glad that all of you are out there listening along with us. We appreciate every single one of you out there listening and sending us emails, sending us comments on our social media. Again, the email address is neverseenpod at gmail.com. Find all of our stuff. We're never seen it on most things. You can figure it out from there. It's the stuff with our names on it. Look for us. Yeah. Find our names. Find our names. We have got one more episode of Thanksgiving coming on Wednesday. We hope that everybody had a fantastic Thanksgiving this season. But of course, the reason for this season is Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving. <laughs> We've got one more to go. We're going to watch A Man Called Otto, the one from this decade that we haven't seen yet. There's only like three or four different movies that he's put out so far. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. the trouble with being at the beginning of a decade. It's true. So we're going to watch A Man Called Otto and be back to you on Wednesday with that. But until then, this has been another episode of Never Seen It. My name is Trent. My name is Betsy. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. I give it a, uh, a 10, a 10, a fucking 10. Gentlemen.